A great hand reached out of the dark and grasped mine for a moment, mightily and tenderly. I said to myself, the veil between, though very dark, is very thin. Hello and welcome to The Thin Place, the one more film blog podcast devoted to discussions of religion, faith, and spirituality in film. This is episode number 48 for July 2014, and our topic is Lucy, the sci-fi film by Luc Besson, starring Scarlett Johansson. Here's a clip from the film. Hello, Miss. I speak English. I translate for Mr. Zhang. Mr. Zhang wants to know what's in the case. Richard gave me the case to give to you. That's all I know. Okay, please tell him that. 자기는 아무것도 모르고 그저 리타드가 가방을 호텔까지 가져가라고 했답니다. 야, 이거 가방 여는 비밀번호라고 얘기. 야, 이 가방 조심해라. 이거 터질 줄 모른다. He gave me a paper with numbers written on it. I don't. What is this? It's the code to open the case. What's really in here? Nothing dangerous. Mr. Zhang insists that you open the case. Okay, okay. This is not a spoiler-free discussion, so if you have not yet seen Lucy and don't want to have plot points given away, go see the film first, and this may be a good time to check out one of the other great podcasts on One More Film Blog or our host, Film Geek Radio. So, Todd, Lucy is... A sci-fi thriller about a young woman, played by Scarlett Johansson, who is exposed to a synthetic drug that allows her to use more and more of her brain until the point in which she takes on, I don't know if it's fair to say, almost godlike qualities or godlike qualities. Well, she disappears and says, I am everywhere. To talk a little bit about the film's somewhat sloppy use of God imagery and the notion that Lucy becomes God as giving a lens to perhaps what our culture thinks about God or thinks God is actually like. Now, I understand in saying that that we are analyzing not just the plausibility of science fiction like we don't want to come across as christian critics who say oh you can't become god just by taking synthetic hormones even accepting the film's premise there seemed to be something disturbing about not just saying that you could become god but when you did become god what exactly that meant could you tease that out a little bit well yeah when um as we were walking out of the theater, I the thought that came to my head immediately was one of the things that happens to Lucy um, as she moves from first scenes of the film where she's totally human, and then as the drug takes on more and more effect, she starts losing certain aspects of herself that we might consider her human aspects, her emotions in certain ways, her morality, certainly her, I mean, she feels this herself. She keeps grasping at certain people 
and she calls her mother at one point, um, really wants to touch base with her parents. There's a police officer that she attaches to and very specifically says, I need you to, to remind me of what it means to be human. Well, she says as a reminder, we're we're assuming that's the reminder of that, but she doesn't actually say it. She doesn't say that. And so as she moves further and further towards being godlike, she becomes less and less recognizably human from an emotional, psychological standpoint. Okay, and why is that a problem? Well, where I was feeling a little troubled, and this is where the sloppiness kind of comes in, is certainly a Christian concept. A, a Judeo-Christian concept is that we are all created in the image of God. So we are reflections of God, and certainly those aspects of emotion, love, ethics, morality, those sorts of things are all wrapped up in that. Um, and certainly throughout the Bible we see God having emotion, God having love, certainly a moral standpoint. And so what are we saying if, as this character becomes more and more like God, that person loses these characteristics? So it seems to have a, a strange view of what is God. Right. Okay, so I hear you saying that in a Judeo-Christian conception of the afterlife or heaven, well, first of all, we become perfected versions of ourselves. We don't become God. We don't become something else or some one else. Um, We will ever and forever be the created, not the creator. Right. And that we may then inherit eternal life or have the resurrection of the body. I would say another thing that Lucy loses is that makes us human is is our bodies. Right. uh, Where... A lot of times Christians will tend to think of the afterlife as the body dying and the soul going to heaven, but certainly from a Christian aspect, the answer to that is no, there's a resurrection of the body or there's, there's a new body right. uh, that will be given. So can you give any specific examples from the film of, of you know her losing some of the you know, qualities that make her human? Well, certainly. I mean, the easiest one is her emotions seem to disappear fairly early. Right. Um, at the beginning of the film, she most is mostly terrified. Um, she has been kidnapped and forced into um, having this pouch of drugs inserted into her abdomen. That's going to terrify anyone. And she is suitably terrified. Almost instantly when the drug starts taking effect, she just turns flat. And for pretty much the rest of the film, her affect is simply this flat, emotionless, terminator terminator kind of thing. And then as, as we continue throughout the... At one point, she wants a doctor to help her remove the pouch. She assesses this man who's in the middle of an operation and she determines that he's not going to survive. And so she just shoots him to get him out of the way. She has no problem using violence to further her end. Right. Goes through a huge car chase, and the collateral damage is insane. As, you know, big blockbuster movie car chase. I mean, lots of 
crashed cars and people endangered. But for her, there it that doesn't matter because these are all people who are simply in the way of her achieving her end. Right. I I've said a couple times to you that the first twenty minutes of the movie I thought were crackerjack. I I was really impressed. Even though it's a very generic situation, right. but I think because Scarlett Johansson is either a terrific actress or at a point in her career where she still doesn't sleepwalk through generic situations, I totally bought Lucy as a human being, a character in that situation mm-hmm. who was petrified and terrified and not an actress who knew that she was in right. a superhero movie and was... It, it was about to break out or something like that. It was terrific. Very, very effective. I think that you're exactly right that the film conceptualizes God as strictly the qualities of omnipotence and omnipresent. As she becomes closer and closer to God, she is able to do more and more. She's able to influence other human beings. Uh, levitate objects, reconstitute matter, to see radio waves and and influence them. By the time that she gets towards the end, she's able to manipulate time and space to right. get into time and space. So she's able to do all of these things that God is able to do. And I, I think that the film buys into some traditional Western notions about what God is able to do, anything. You know, whereas God, God is everywhere. What can God do? God, um, omnipotent and omnipresent, but hasn't seemed to give a, a whisker of thought to the character of God right. or the personality of God. In fact, it even seems to refute the notion that if we're made in the image of God, that that God has personality as we would understand it. Or, and well, you mentioned I mean, a moral character, right. a that that God is not just a collection of powers, but is also a a living God who who has pertin I keep going back to personal realities because words fail me. Well, I think it, it, it you know there's doesn't there's just have even, power yeah. that has interpersonal qualities that make him different from some other hypothetical god who also had the, like Lucy, who also had the power to transverse time and space, but didn't have some other quality that we associate with God. And it's it's not just the lack of personality, I think it's the lack of personhood um, being a distinct entity, uh, a distinct uh, individual. And because in the Lucy model, you know, anyone who took enough of this drug could then, you know, access 100% of their brain and become God. And, you know, that, again, presents this, this conception of God and what God is and who he is that is, at best, very sloppy and, at worst, is certainly, you know, not in line with a Judeo-Christian. Right. Well, I, I want to say then, maybe to parse our language a little bit, to become, anyone could take this drug and become godlike. Right. Uh, could have the powers. Which, in that sense, then, if you, if you think that through, is almost being atheistic and saying, 
there really is no God. God is just a name to any being that we give or collection of cells that we give that has that knowledge or has that power. Mm -hmm. uh, by the end of the film, Lucy supposedly has, before she loses her body entirely, supposedly has the ability to download all the knowledge and the things that she's unlocked in her brain into some kind of supercomputer at her own using which she gives to Morgan Freeman and he says at one point I just hope we will be worthy of your sacrifice as though so the film seems to suggest having achieved this state of godhood however she did achieve it you know, right. through evolution or through drugs or something like that 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 is something that can be passed on right. to other people which then suggests to me that godlike power is a function of knowledge and ability and again not a, a function of life um, self you know self promoting life or self you know right. creating life but is simply the you know because the one thing that we never see Lucy do is create ex nihilo she is able to interact with the universe that is there, right? But she is not able to recreate herself or you know her own body, and she's not able to uh, create matter out of. Yeah, when she goes to make the computer, she has to consume the materials around her to form this new computer. She can't just snap her fingers and right. say computer. And then that, as if the film isn't sort of fuzzy enough with all these sci-fi ideas, it's got to add this whole time travel loop in which you know she goes back in time and touches the first chimpanzee as though somehow or another she is instilling life into Lucy and beginning the pri into Lucy, the first primate, who's going to begin the evolutionary process and. Create Lucy much farther, Lucy Scarlett Johansson's character. Uh, so then we get one of those very unsatisfying for me time travel loops in which nothing ever starts or finishes. But you know, it was yeah, like, who started the loop to begin with? And and that part of the film was really confusing because it seemed so entirely unnecessary, and it didn't seem to add anything to the plot to ideas to anything well it's like oh what else can we throw in here let's throw in some time travel I mean yes it, I, I mean I, I suppose so I, I'm it's funny that, that you say that because before we started the podcast it seemed like you were a little bit more favorable towards the film oh I am than, than I was and Part of me is like, that stuff was the only reason for the film, because it's, it's, it's a Luc Besson film, and the plot in the story is just an excuse to put a lot of cool special effects and stuff on the screen with just the thinnest margins of um, story or plot to justify it. So uh, certainly the time travel loop, the impression that I got was... 
Lupasad's Tree of Life and said, hey, I could do that <laughs> uh, in my own inimitable, non Terrence Malicky style. And, you know, all the people who hate Terrence Malick would, or the end of 2001, would say, as long as you don't think about what it means, it looks really trippy. Well, then, to be fair, there's certainly a nice 2001 uh, homage yes. in the film that I was nodding my head and saying, okay, that's pretty cool. But, yeah, did it add anything to the meaning of the film? Well, Luc Besson saw 2001 and liked it. Yeah, I, 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 I want to be very careful to say this film is to Tree of Life or as 2001 as... The sort of Shannara is to Lord of the Rings, right. you know, which is uh, to say there are artistic achievements that are serious films that really grapple with or wrestle with, if I can use a Todd word, these ideas. And then there are films which sort of gesture at these ideas on their way to car chases and blowing stuff up. Yes. Yes, there's a difference between an artistic film and a Saturday matinee B film. Right. Um, now, having said that, I certainly preferred Lucy for its self-aware ridiculousness. I was going to say silliness for its self-aware yeah. uh, ridiculousness more than I would have been capable to enjoy some other more seriously minded sci-fi that was equally muddled like Cloud Atlas comes to mind that just ends up being ponderous and stupid but doesn't allow you to enjoy its trippy visuals because it's always too busy trying to be deep or profound. Yeah, I, I, I've got to believe on some level that Luc Besson knows this is all ridiculous. Uh, certainly Scarlett Johansson seems to know it, but um, it, I liked it less and less as it went on and became more generic. But the first 20 minutes, I, I, I really enjoyed, and I think Scarlett Johansson was enough going through it to make me give it a marginal thumbs up or you know it, I was entertained yeah. and I think one of the things I hear you saying is one of those things about and this kind of maybe shifts a little bit from the thin place kind of spiritual perspective to just more of a general film comment um, is that it's not easy to take a genre like sci-fi sci-fi action type movie and make a film that has ideas in that genre without getting trapped into the genre formulations. Because there's so many expectations, there's a way that these types of stories are supposed to go, um, especially if you've got a big budget thing and you've got the movie company wanting to make sure that it sells tickets. Um, you know, there is a, whether it's external or internal pressures on a genre, you're going to get locked into certain patterns, or else it's not a genre picture, right? And I think that's it. I think it's, just, it's hard. Well, and it can be done. I, I think it's, it's hard, hard in general in in film specifically 
to talk about big philosophical, ontological, religious questions because in some ways film is very good at the concrete. There's a specific image on the screen and a specific right. thing that's happening. And so many of those topics of spirituality, godhood, identity, humanity are abstractions. And so I, I think as well as the plot or the genre conventions, you fall into some limited ways in which you can really deal with that on the level of abstraction. You either, you know, you either have talking heads sitting around talking about abstractions, which is not very visual, or you you end up on the level of visual poetry. The Tree of Life reference, the montage of the time travel where the more narratively inclined viewer is going like, what exactly happened? And you didn't explain why it happened there. And the point is not to be plausible or realistic or even specific, but to try to convey visually without losing any sense of story at all, something that is unfamiliar to all, all, you know, all of us. Well, let's talk about this for a second, because that idea of visual poetry, um, the, in the invention of the first 20 minutes, really, you thought were really good. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that was going on in that first 20 minutes or so that I thought, on the one hand, I thought was really interesting. On the other hand, I was wondering if it was too on the nose, were as she is going through the being drawn into getting kidnapped, we, we get these interspersed shots of hunting animals. Yes. Um, and kind of just flashing back. And obviously the intent is that, you know, the gazelle being stalked by the leopard is Lucy and the, mm-hmm. the bad guys are the predators. And we, it was very, very well done. Um, And yet, yeah, it really got to that. It wasn't just, oh, here's the bad guys. It was a real animalistic hunting sort of idea. I mean, how does that play into what you're talking about? Well, I would say the first 20 minutes, part of what I like is it was grounded in realism. Mm -hmm. I, I mean... These it was a totally generic situation that we've seen at the movies a lot of times before. It's gonna open the suitcase, it's gonna explode. I'm trapped in a room with a bunch of people trying to kill me. How am I gonna get out? You know, what's gonna happen? And so the fact that it was so effective at being believable, then when it it the film flies off into it's sci-fi and loses touch with realism altogether. I was less prepared for that. Yeah. I think the the scenes that you mentioned of the the intersplicing of the nature footage with all that's going on. Well, that's that's a form of meta commentary, right? Right. That's, that's an epitaph along the line of uh, I think like what Coleridge does in the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, where he tells you the story properly. And then Coleridge, the poet, also sits on the margins of the poem and makes comments to the reader as the reader is reading the poem that aren't, well, that seems to me to be Basson, you know, sort of say, hey, reader, you get it, this is, this is what's going on, and it, generally it's a little heavy-handed, and so some people probably 
don't like it, even if they like the way that Malik does it in the, the New World or something like that, of using shots of nature and setting to reinforce what what's going on. But I think it's also a deliberately heavy-handed yeah. as a way of perhaps Bassan announcing, okay, I realize that this is not a subtle movie, this is not trying to be a philosophy movie, you know, a philosophical movie, or to the extent that it is trying to be a, a, a philosophical movie, drugstore, dime store, comic book philosophy, writ large in the boldest possible, you know, in the boldest possible letters. And yet, what's interesting to me is that disappears. Uh, you know, and if I'm thinking your response is as the film goes on, you got less and less interested. I think as the film goes on, part of it is it, it becomes less and less of, we don't get those sorts of things. It just devolves back into a MacGuffin chase movie. Well, because he's no longer trying to draw our attention to consider parallels between Lucy's concrete situation in the plot as an individual and a character and some sort of broader archetypal narrative. He's trying to directly show us the broader archetypal narrative and so um, I, I think he's actually more successful when there's enough of an actual story or an identical human being tethering the movie and then reminding us that this story is part of a never-ending eternal struggle between predator and prey, then I'm like, okay, perhaps highfalutin for a generic story, but you know, by and large, you're simply announcing the archetypes right. or the genre that you're working in. Um, as opposed to by the end, it seems as though he's trying to not use a specific story or person that is a representative of this broader archetype, but let me show you the archetype in general. It's, it's almost like if you change the title of the film from Lucy to Joseph Campbell's The Hero with a Thousand Faces, it, it would be like, I'm more interested in the story as meta story right. than the story as one example of meta story. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So, to try to wrap this up, I, I had mentioned that found the film utterly ridiculous and more so as it went along, but I found elements that were not the thin place elements that you know made me enjoy it marginally. Where were you overall with the film? Um, I'm still with you know I, I think it, it's a B minus. Okay. And on, on the grading scale, I think I was like C, maybe C plus. Yeah, I I do give Grisson some credit for. Bedrock. Press yeah. <laughs> that, that was an inside joke there. I, I once got a Robert Bresson fan very angry at me by tongue-in-cheekly comparing Robert Bresson with Luke Besson. <laughs> Besson. Um, I give him some credit for you know, taking a you know what, what could have been an absolutely straight genre picture and instilling at least some idea or wrestling. Now, we've talked about this, and I, you know, I think there is a difference between attempting to deal with ideas and doing it well. Um, I, I think this, I'm giving him credit for trying. Uh, you're, you're right. Maybe push me up to a C+, because I, I did say 
I did say after the screening was over, I turned to you and I said, at least Luc Besson is not making the same movie that everyone else right. is making, even when he's making the same plot that right. everyone else is making. That, <laughs> exactly. And I give him credit for that. And, you know, it certainly is fun. Like, I had fun. You, you said you didn't, but that's... And, you know, it's disposable entertainment. Yeah. All right. Anything else, Todd? Nope. If you have comments about this episode or suggestions for other films you'd like to hear us podcast about, feel free to drop me a line at editor at onemorefilmblog.com. You can also follow me, Ken, on Twitter at twitter.com backslash Ken Moorefield. And you can find an archive of past episodes on iTunes or at our host, filmgeekradio.com.